Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. And this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Um, we're glad that you're here to listen. We'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome once again, everyone, uh, to our message this morning. Hey, we're continuing on a sermon series that's fitting with the season of the year. This is Lent. It's a season of uh, waiting, paying attention to what God is doing in each of us. It's a season of 40 days that lead up to Easter. And we're coming on Passion Week. Uh, Passion Week is this week uh, that is... Uh, that, is, that is Palm Sunday. It's celebrating Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and then leads through uh, Jesus having a Passover meal with his friends and then being betrayed in the garden and being hung on a cross and dying and resurrecting. This is all something we celebrate in this week or traditionally the church throughout history has. And so we are going to celebrate some of these moments along the way and engage with this story as we reflect that God is again and again entering our stories and meeting each of us. And so that's our series, again and again. Again and again, we continue to find ourselves in challenging places, wondering where is God, what is God doing? And again and again, God meets us. So this is the great hope that we have. Our theme this morning is again and again, we draw on courage. And so we're going to pay attention this morning to some themes of courage. But there's a lot going on in the story we're going to be taking a look at today. There's a story that was reported in the BBC back in 2005 in Ethiopia. Here's what happened. There was a girl, 12 years old, who was kidnapped on her way to school one day. Uh, it's part of Ethiopia where kidnappers would roam and they took this girl and they held her for, uh, for a week. Well, eventually the police uh, were able to hunt down these bad guys and as they came upon where these bad guys were. They'd fled one place and running to another. And when they went there, what they found was a bunch of lions had come on these robbers, chased the bad guys away, and were protecting this 12-year-old girl. She was there, she was crying, she was weeping, and the police found and found her there, safe. Not harmed by the lions, but somehow protected. And uh, the whole country was in awe of this great story. The lions, they just walked off and left as the police showed up on the scene. And local people called it something of a miracle. Now, this picture of lions that protect, this is a picture that we get in the Bible of Jesus. Jesus is called uh, the lion and the lamb. The lion of Judah. Lion was a word that they used for king. Uh, the king of the jungle was a lion and they had lions back in the, in the Old Testament. And so they'd look at this lion and they'd say, ah, this is, this is who God is, the, the king of Judah. And the king, local king, was also called a, a lion in that sense. And so they were looking for a Messiah who would come and who would be the lion of Judah again. They also called Jesus uh, the lamb who was slain. Uh, in the Passover story, they sacrificed a lamb and they put the blood over, uh, over their door and that protected the people inside. 
These symbols were really ripe in the ancient stories, and they were just at the surface of Jesus. Is this the Lion of Judah? Is this the Passover Lamb? We learn that Jesus is both. And so he comes on the scene like this. C.S. Lewis, uh, the author, the theologian, he, he uh, tells a story in the Chronicles of Narnia about a lion. In the story, the elusive and present uh, king is a lion called Aslan. Lots of nuances to Aslan being like God. Well, in this story, when asked about Aslan, Mr. Beaver in the Chronicles of Narnia, he says something profound about their Lion King. Aslan is a lion, he says. The lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan. I shall feel rather nervous meeting a lion. Safe? Ah, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. In this story, Aslan, he, he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king. Here in the days of leading up to Passover, we meet this lion, this, this king who's coming. Martha says, as we'll read in the story, that he is the Messiah. He's the son of God. She's confessing this days before Jesus is crucified. Palm Sunday is this day that we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem like a king. They're waving palm branches, laying down uh, cloaks and palm branches, and he's riding in on a donkey. It's a celebration. The king is here. But before that story, there's another story that reveals perhaps more about this king than a celebration parade. More about his character and what he's here to do. This king is anything but safe. He's not here to come and just sit on a throne. He is here to come and go into the scariest, darkest, most fearful places to bring his, the rule and reign of God. He isn't safe, but he is good. He is the king, and he's about to show his reign over life and death. This morning, we're telling the story of Lazarus of Bethany. Here's the setting. Bethany was this village town about two miles east of Jerusalem. The place where Jesus would die and raise again. Over a couple valleys and on the other side of the Mount of Olives is Bethany. It was kind of like a suburb of uh, Jerusalem. It was small. There might not have been very many people there. Uh, but it's the place where Jesus hung his hat when he came to the area, it seems. And Bethany is, uh, is setting the stage for this pivotal story, the rising of Lazarus. You see, Lazarus is one of Jesus' friends, and he has two sisters, Mary and Martha, and we encounter them in a few stories. In fact, John says, the Gospel of John, he says that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He loved these siblings. He had this affection for them. They were close friends, and their stories are woven into Jesus' story. And they meant a lot to Jesus. In fact, John spends the better part of John 11 and into John 12 talking about Lazarus, spending almost as much time talking about the death and resurrection of Lazarus uh, as he does about the death and resurrection of Jesus. He spends a lot of energy here. 
because we're discovering something about who Jesus is and what's going on. So we're going to pay attention to this story a bit this morning. If you have your Bible, you can follow along with this story here. So I'm going to read uh, from John 11, 1 to 7, and it goes like this. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about this, uh, he said, Lazarus, isn't, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Know what happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. When Lazarus dies, Jesus doesn't go there for, for four days, actually. And they were sad that Jesus wasn't there earlier. But even in this darkness, they trusted. Let's take a look at what happens next. Verse 17. We skip down. When Jesus arrived in Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises in the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she turned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus says what he's doing here. He's laying out his purpose, his plan, his identity, and Martha believes him. Martha believes that this Jesus, he is the Messiah. He is the one who has come to save the world. And she knows, Jesus knows, and it's like these two friends are having this chat, reminding each other what this is all about. The king has come, and the king rules over life and death. The Lion of Judah is here. Dallas Willard, he says this, he says, We don't believe something by merely saying we believe it. Or even when we believe that we believe it. We believe something when we act as if it was true. Jesus knew something was true. And that is God was stepping into the darkness and the death of humanity. He was showing up in a suburban neighborhood, among friends, and he was meeting them in their darkness. He was meeting them in their sorrow. Jesus was life, the author of life. He moved into the neighborhood, and Jesus was full of courage because he knew what was true. 
He knew what was true about God. He knew what was true about Lazarus. He knew what was true about him. And he stepped in to act on what was true. And his friends were starting to believe what was true about Jesus too. Let's read along in John 11 again. It goes like this. So Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at her feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, the man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up from heaven, looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all the people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Here was Jesus' friend who he loves alive. Jesus called out, Lazarus, come out. This story is not lost on the people watching. Elijah, Elisha, these are people that had raised people from the dead. Jesus had raised somebody from the dead. But they had only been dead just a short while. Even now, doctors will sometimes keep somebody alive long enough. Or somebody's technically dead and a few minutes or hours later, they will be alive again. But here's somebody who has been dead for not three days, but four it was custom in this Jewish time when somebody would die to lay them uh, in the tomb. Not to bury them deep in the tomb yet, but to lay them on a stone where they could uh, wrap them and cover their body as they would begin to decompose and just make sure that the person's good and dead. And they do this for three days. But after three days, the person is not coming back. But they'd wait. They'd wait, maybe, hold out all hope. That somebody would stir and rise again. But here Lazarus had been four days. And he was decaying. He was stinking. He was dead. Could Jesus bring somebody back from like the dead dead? The decomposing I am the person is gone dead? Can you believe that Martha and Mary would have had that kind of hope? That they would have had that trust. They would have seen so, something in this Jesus that, that they would actually believe that somebody dead four days could come back to life. They knew that Jesus was this lion. He was this king. 
So Jesus arrives at this tomb and there's this powerful moment where Jesus is emotional. He's weeping and he's angry. Twice John says how angry he is. Not at the people. He's not angry at Mary and Martha. He's not angry at Lazarus. He's not angry at the crowds. He is angry over what has happened. He's angry over death. You see, Jesus, the Bible says, and the Gospel of John says, that Jesus was there at the start of it all. In the beginning was the Word of God. In the beginning was Jesus. And he was there and he was the author and the speaker of life. And here is this creator of life who's now standing in the front of the tomb of his friend. And he's looking at it and he's angry and he's emotional. Because he's like, this is death, it sucks. We're done with it. No more death. I'm here to make it right. And so he shows up. He weeps. He's angry. What does the word of God say? He says, Lazarus, come out. But Lazarus lives. The word of God who spoke the words of life to make the whole world is now the one who speaks out to his dead friend and says, Live, come out. The emotion of John 11 is thick. There's weeping, there's trust, there's disappointment and dis disillusionment. There's the smell of death hanging in the air. There's the illness, the sudden illness of Lazarus. There's fear, there's, there's yet hope and anger. And finally, there's life, all in one. Read John 11. Absorb it. Sit in it. It's a powerful uh, piece of scripture. For me, it captures the chaos of the moment, the, the loss, the sense of finality of death. But here Jesus enters in, not to a sanctuary, not to some sort of sterile spirituality center, not to a mountaintop experience, but to the most intimate messy, sorrowful experience of a group of people mourning over several days for the loss of their brother. They're leading up to something intense and they are in it and Jesus shows up in the intensity. Jesus shows up into places that are turned upside down. He shows up into cities that are, that are rife with pandemic. He shows up into Provinces and countries where politics feel frayed, where economies are upside down, where there's job loss and there is real death. That's the place where he shows up. In suburbia, he shows up. And he says he's king. This is where we find Jesus. This is where we find him. It's here. A short time before Passover and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus is laying a foundation. In this neighborhood where his friends live and where they're at a loss, Jesus shows up to them. Not to the rulers, but to his friends. Jesus is the king, the lion of Judah. But he's also the lamb who would lay down his life for them. To be the sacrifice that they cannot bring. That they cannot bring. He is the resurrection himself. There's some beautiful art. Sometimes in these seasons I can only look at art and poetry as a way of maybe reflecting. Danish painter Karl Blosch, he would often add children into his paintings. I think it's beautiful. 
He would sneak them in in different places. A famous painting of Jesus preaching on the Sermon of the Mount has, has this little child over in the corner, not really maybe paying attention to the message, but poking at a butterfly on someone's head. It's cute. It's beautiful. It's true. Another painting where Jesus is healing a blind man, and you see a father pushing his children out of the action, keeping them away, but yet they see. They're absorbing the story. And in the raising of Lazarus, the crowd gathers here too. And here over in the corner is a child astonished, afraid maybe. He's in, a, he's, he's in a graveyard after all with these crowds of people who are weeping and wailing. And he's watching and taking it all in. And he reflects all the feelings that these adults would have had. But here's the beauty of it all. Jesus is here as the king. This little child is watching the king do what the king came to do, which was to bring healing and life to what is broken and sick and death. Jesus is here, and the fear that this child experiences is not fear of Jesus, but Jesus stepping in to dispel fear with his authority, with his rule, with his reign, and ultimately with his sacrifice. Jesus shows up and shows that he is the lion. And on Good Friday, we will see how the lion becomes the lamb who was slain for the forgiveness of all. You are in this story. I encourage you to read John 11 and even the rest of the Passion story as hard as it is and see yourself in the story. See yourself peeking around a corner and paying attention to what's happening, watching Jesus, watching this king and how this king uh, ushers in his rule and reign. How this king takes death and destroys it by his own death and brings life again. Put yourself in the story because guess what? Jesus is wanting to be in your story. The lion, the king, he rules even in the dark places. Whatever dark places you have, welcome the lion of Judah in. Welcome the lamb who was slain for you. Let him enter your story and show you how much you are loved and what resurrection means for you. Is he safe? <laughs> no. <laughs> but he's good. He is the king. So be of good courage. Easter morning is coming. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace and his life as you go this week into this beautiful, meaningful, profound, and emotional Passion Week. <laughs>